0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of From Funding to Fame, where we interview the founders and funders currently raising capital on FrontFunder, as well as experts in the private capital markets. I'm your host, Trieste Redding, the head of campaigns at FrontFunder, and I'm excited to introduce more Canadians to equity crowdfunding. This podcast episode features conversations about a business's current operations and future plans and as a result may contain forward-looking information. There can be no assurance that forward-looking information will prove to be accurate as actual results and future events could differ materially from those anticipated in such statements. Listeners should not place undue reliance on forward-looking information. Today we're going to be speaking with the CEO and co-founder of Neurovine, Dr. Ashley Kennedy. Neurovine is an AI-driven digital health technology company delivering personalized treatment plans with an evidence-based approach to support mental health and brain recovery. Since launching in 2019, they've been dubbed the Fitbit of the brain. Here are some highlights. They've been awarded the Next Big Business Award from the Ottawa Business Journal, and they've been ranked as one of the most promising health startups in the world on the CB Insights 150 list. Neurovine's proprietary technology has been proven to lead to 40% faster recovery for concussion patients compared to standard treatments. The company has built strategic partnerships with well-known organizations, including the UFC, establishing itself as a thought leader in the industry. And they're ready for commercialization with defendable intellectual property patents and a $61.3 billion global wearables technology market. Hi Ashley, thanks so much for being here today. We're, We're really excited to have you. My pleasure, thanks for having me. Now your background is really impressive. You're a Stanford University alumni, graduate of both the University of Waterloo, the University of Ottawa. You hold the 400 meter sprint record for indoor track and field. You've run a successful consulting company that validated new innovations for health tech startups. You're a TEDx speaker. You were a 2021 under 40 recipient. So you've really been breaking barriers and achieving new heights throughout your entire career what inspired you to get into entrepreneurship and did you know that you always wanted to be an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah. Um, thanks for the the intro. Um, to be honest, I think the like most demanding piece of, um, what I've done so far is, is becoming a mom. (laughs) And I, I actually think that's part of what has inspired my journey into entrepreneurship. So I knew that I needed to control, um, my work uh, in a way that would allow me to be present for my young kids, um, and I, you know, I I couldn't have that working in a traditional academic institution. Um, I also knew that I was done doing research for publication's sake. Um, I was really really inspired by my postdoctoral fellowship at the Toronto Rehab Institute. Um, just incredible innovation being put into patients' hands. And that's what drove me uh, really to take the the leap of faith and and start Neurovine. Um, I think there's too much Canadian innovation that stays in academic centers and doesn't see the light of day. And it could have an incredible impact, not just on patient health, but like the innovation um, community in Canada in general.
0: That's a really interesting kind of story into entrepreneurship as a path. I think, you know, more and more people nowadays are wanting to create that life that really resonates best for them, works best for them, uh, rather than the the standard nine to five and really trying to strike that balance. And it's great to see that that's kind of what inspired the entrepreneurship bug. And to your point, really the perspective that you're able to bring with your background and kind of seeing that academic industry and and being able to find that way to now commercialize it a bit more and bring it to the public is is really great i know um with your work as a neuroscientist as well you've mentioned that you saw individuals were being sent home after a traumatic brain injury or stroke and When they did that, their recovery slowed and their mental health suffered as a result. So perhaps you can tell us a little bit more how kind of through your background and experience, you were able to identify that there was such a need in the market for better neurological care related to concussions and mental health.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, It expands beyond just concussions to any type of brain injury or illness. Um, So that includes patients who've survived a stroke, um, those who are recovering from long COVID, And even those who have gone through a season of burnout and are trying to get back to life. um, It is such an incredibly lonely journey. And your brain is who you are. Like that's where we reside. And for that to be impacted and not functioning the same that it was before the injury or illness has a serious impact on mental health. Um, You know, going home and recovering from a knee injury is one thing, but when it's an injury to the thing that, allows you to communicate and think and put your ideas out in the world, it's very different. Um, and so again, we, we have some incredible hospitals across our country um, where these patients get tremendous care in, in the hospital and then they're discharged uh, and inevitably we see mental health start to really suffer at home. Um, the burden on the caregiver is tremendous and it's this invisible recovery path. And if you're lucky and you can pay for it, you may be able to see a specialist or a physiotherapy center that can support your continued recovery, but it's it's really expensive. Um, not everybody has those kind of benefits. Um, and And so, as a clinical researcher at the Toronto Rehab Institute, um, I saw this every day. On top of that, my co-founder, who's a physician, was dealing with the other side where, Uh, he's a family physician, um, doesn't really have the bandwidth to support this kind of complicated recovery process. And so he saw these patients trying to navigate this lonely path alone. And so we thought there are a lot of tools that we can deliver them to them quite quickly. Um, But then if we go a level deeper, there's a lot of technology that could support that journey too. And so what started as this small offering has really grown into an entire platform that walks alongside the patients throughout their recovery journey until they're back to work or school.
0: It's nice to see how you as co-founders kind of each experience the problem from different angles and were able to, to ultimately bridge a, a solution that worked there. And I think you you mentioned the word invisible, which is so important. Brain health is often something that is so invisible and it's very difficult to tackle. It is something that people often feel quite lonely with. So it's um, really great that you guys were able to, you know, identify that problem and really focus on a solution that could help with that. I know for for myself through my youth, I, I played competitive soccer. And uh, concussions and brain health became a, a huge problem for for individuals and, and not only that for kids who were suffering from that at a young age and I actually knew um, a friend of mine who had to stop playing in university because their their brain health had gotten to the point where it just couldn't support um, you know any further injuries through through soccer so how many people really experience concussions in their lives and what is the market opportunity for solving this problem yeah, so uh, around 28% of people will sustain a
1: concussion within their life. Uh, we know the number is actually much higher. Um, it's, it's about 28% of people who will report a concussion. Um, but like you said, it's it's kind of this thing that we keep really close to our, our heart. We don't necessarily share if we've got an injury. Um, from an athlete's perspective, you want to stay in the game. Um, historically, it's been kind of like a, A weak thing to take a knee in sports. Um, Luckily that's starting to change with the awareness through professional sports and some of the initiatives through our government but um, it's going to be a slow thing to change and then in the workplace again a brain injury um, impacts who you are and you don't want to reveal that to your colleagues all the time. Um, So we know that it's much higher than what we're seeing reported in the data Um, The addressable market is global. It's about $36 billion across the world. Um, And the nice thing about the technology that we've built is that it is affordable and it's leveraging this virtual care model so we can have people in Northern Ontario supported by physicians in city centers, for example.
0: That's great. Um, I know with the the clinical trials that you've done so far, you've seen some really great results. Um, So in addition to having 40% faster recovery rates than standard treatments, your clinical trials also saw a 54% improvement in depression, a 41% improvement in anxiety, and a 30% improvement in perceived symptoms. So can you walk us through how the technology really creates a customized treatment plan for patients that leads to these results?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So, when an individual is recovering from a concussion, uh, we know that physical and mental activity are essential to the recovery journey. Um, For decades, we thought you just kind of sit in a dark room until you're feeling better, and then eventually you go back to the classroom. We now know that a very specific uh, level of physical activity actually speeds concussion recovery. Um, This work is, is led by Dr. John Letty, from the United States and Roger Zemek, um, who practices here in Ottawa in Canada, um, and their work really has been foundational in understanding how people recover from a concussion. Um, what we're finding now is that a graduated return back to cognitive activity is also really helpful. What this does is it prevents patients from overexerting themselves, doing too much, going back to work too fast, um, you know, spending too long on screens. And then what happens is you you start to regress in your recovery process. And so my co-founder would see people who had done a great job for weeks and weeks. They were almost ready to go back to work. They'd go back full time and they were right back at the beginning. You know, they, their symptoms would be flared up and, and last for weeks. Um, and so this tool provides a graduated return back to physical activity using a lot of the principles that are gold standard today. Uh, it provides a graduated return back to cognitive activity. Um, and we have a biofeedback-driven meditation program. And what this does is it teaches the, the patient how to rest their brain and then reactivate it in an efficient way. Concussion patients, you know, after you sustain a concussion, often, often your brain is racing all the time. You're burning through your, your, uh, your brain battery very fast. And so we can learn how to take breaks, restore our energy and get back to the task that we were doing.
0: That's great. I think for many people, the the concept of having a, a brain that's always on, always running is so common nowadays and not enough people as it is know how to really take that breath, relax for a moment. And I can only imagine how that's heightened with concussion patients and really an important driver for recovery there. So it's nice that you guys are tackling that solution from so many different angles as well, which is really nice to see. Now in Q1 of 2023, you had a a controlled release with two organizations generating 81K in revenue. So can you describe uh, your business model and how the company plans to expand?
1: Yeah, for sure. So we work with businesses, organizations. Um, Our first focus is to work with sports teams and leagues and collegiate sports programs. Um, and so we have an annual license that the athletic program purchases. Um, the the year long license gives all of the athletes on the team a preseason baseline. We're looking at cognitive function as well as mental health for these athletes. Um, if a patient sustains a concussion or um, would like some support on the mental health side. Uh, They log that into our application and we send them an EEG headband. And so they redo the assessment so they get a good indication of exactly how their brain's working. Um, And then we give them a very personalized recovery program. Um, This program is tailored to not only their brain activity, uh, but also the areas of their life that are difficult for them. And so if, if it's the physical activity side, you have a specific program for them, if they're really having a challenge, getting back on screens or back to school, we have a separate program for those individuals. And the nice thing is that this data is shared with the clinical staff. And so within a professional sports organization, there's always a point person that's following those recovery journeys and we can um, give them a very clear snapshot of what's going on within that individual's brain and uh, where the stumbling blocks are and where they're doing well. Um, This is important because today, even in professional sports, brain health is incredibly subjective. There's no data to inform the decisions that these um, clinicians are making. Um, There's a huge amount of liability on their shoulders, but they just don't have the data to make those decisions. So our platform doesn't make any decisions for anybody. What it does is it makes the injury visible by providing the data to the patient and the clinician so they can manage it and uh, most appropriately.
0: It's great data is definitely so important in driving decision making across the board and with uh, brain health historically being you know more invisible not as easy to understand it's it's great that you're making that clear so that those organizations can make you know the right informed decision when it comes to, to patients as well. Yeah. And I know you, you mentioned that the the focus for the business is really B2B right now. You're working through employers and athletic organizations. Um, how do you plan to grow these relationships? And might you ever consider a direct to consumer model for Neurofine?
1: Yeah, so um, we uh, ran a lot of our clinical trials in our B2B to C. So we worked with businesses um, to bring patients onto our platform. Specifically, we worked with physiotherapy centers and that's how we recruited all of our patients. Um, we really loved that model. The high touch with the patient was incredibly valuable as we learned how to support those individuals. Um, but what we've learned is that um, the the value, probably the biggest value of what we've created is our back-end clinical portal. Um, we have a huge amount of data um, we've got some sophisticated machine learning that we're building to really leverage this data in the decision-making capacity on the back end. Um, And that's our real value proposition. And so for the foreseeable future, we'll continue to work directly with organizations. Um, You'll likely have some distribution partners negotiating a few of those right now, Um, but we see some huge growth in the sports vertical as well as in the employer and insurance vertical.
0: Absolutely. Within the solution that you have, you're uniquely positioned in the space as a digital prescription therapeutic, whereas other solutions on the market are more so either diagnostic or they're not able to walk alongside the the patient on their path to recovery. So perhaps you could just tell us a little bit more about what it is that sets Neurovine apart from these other solutions available. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So it's um, patient
1: engagement. If I had to summarize it in one concept, Um, You need patient engagement to see a good recovery uh, program, uh, you know, executed successfully. Um, When you are waiting to see your doctor every couple of weeks, you're left really um, kind of wandering between those visits. And so the real value proposition that we bring is to support that patient throughout their day, help them to really understand their body, make the right decisions, and then communicate that really quickly and efficiently with the clinician. Um, And so it's, it's that patient engagement, and then that clear snapshot that we provide back to the clinician about what, what is actually going on between the the patient encounters.
0: Yeah, definitely. The, the engagement aspect seems like it's definitely built very well into the the whole platform itself and how the individual interacts and i think with your your point about machine learning the more someone does interact the more that you can learn and take away from that interaction as well so it's it's nice that you have such a focus on really being able to cater the solution to the individual and the exact needs that they have as part of their recovery
1: yeah yeah it's essential because if you feel like you've got a generic plan that doesn't match your very unique brain you're not going to participate in that recovery plan you need to know that um the system understands how well you're recovering and what you need. That's a very
0: good point. Now with uh, your own journey, kind of as a leader, you're an athlete, uh, a neurophysiological scientist, an entrepreneur, a PhD, a mom, the the list of accomplishments goes on. Um, So as a leader, how do you inspire your team and where do big ideas come from?
1: Yeah, (laughs) Uh, so this is a great question. Especially, you know, as on the heels of um, celebrating International Women's Day, and we talk a lot about uh, leadership and what it means to be uh, a female leader specifically within the tech sector. Um, the kind of core tenets of my leadership are um, really to understand the strength of my employees and to enable them to pursue those strengths beyond my capacity. Um, so I s- essentially, Uh, look to act as um, a coordinator and a cheerleader. Um, I've hired people who are way smarter than me uh, and I trust that they can run with the ideas. And so essentially my job is to create boundaries um, and a framework and to set the North Star and then let those individuals um, build the technology and, and move us towards that North Star. So I'm kind of just guiding that process.
0: That's great. I was speaking with uh, another uh, founder of a woman-led organization earlier today and her background is in sports as well and mentioned that really she sees a lot of her role as a a coach finding the Mm -hmm. strengths and weaknesses of all the players and being able to you know put them in the right positions and give them the right tools so that together they can win as a team. Do you think your your background as an athlete has really kind of shaped how you view that leadership style? Yeah I think so um uh kind of weird, but I
1: also think being a mom and being able to yep. see potential in people um, and really champion that potential and, and figure out how to get them to grow and accelerate into their full potential uh, has also shaped the way that I, I lead our company.
0: That's amazing. It definitely really is, you know, finding and, and nurturing skill sets and, and talent in order to be able to put together the, the right team to take the business to the next level. So it's it's great to hear more about your, your philosophy there. Now, since founding Neurovine in 2019, what's been one of your favorite moments with the company so far?
1: Um, uh, So there's been a couple of moments recently um, where team members have been brought to tears. Um, Really? And it's because uh, this is such a deep technology. And when we began in 2019, it was a research project. There was no, we had no idea whether or not this would work. Um, or whether people would buy it. (laughs) Um, The um, kind of first instance uh, was one of our data scientists was watching somebody use the technology in real time. Um, And the guy was just like so excited because he'd be reading and the signal would his brain energy would decrease and then he'd start uh, working on a math problem and it, it would increase in our the data scientist that has spent past two years building these algorithms was just in tears watching this experience. Wow. Um, similarly, um, our data scientist that built the hardware, uh, a couple, a month ago, he walked out of our manufacturing facility with the hardware in his hands. Uh, so this is our final version of the hardware. And we both shed a little bit of tear because tears because building hardware in Canada is very difficult. Um, yeah. So to come out with a finished product was exciting. And then um, just yesterday, we had some user testing going on in the office and uh, the entire team was watching on Zoom while a third party um, user experience researcher was walking the patients through using our technology. And we're all chatting on Slack and, you know, everybody kind of like begrudgingly got on the Zoom channel to watch the first session. And someone said, my night plans are gone out the window. I'm staying for the whole evening. And the whole team's like, I (laughs) know. It was the first time we had seen someone use it without being there. And just seeing patients get it and say, like, can I buy this? This is amazing. Um, It just gave us all goosebumps. I think it was just a really unifying experience to see patients using the tech.
0: Yeah, that must be just so inspiring to watch that happen. Obviously, the the impact that you can have on on someone's life is is so powerful, and being able to kind of now see that come to fruition firsthand, I can just imagine how motivating that is for the team as well to to really know that they are creating such you know positive impact and, and social change within the community as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Now, uh, life as an entrepreneur is always busy. I'm sure life is as a mom as well. So when you're not working, what do you love to do in your time off?
1: Um, yeah, so we've got a big, uh, huge dog. I like to get into the forest with my kids and my dog. And um, just, you know, the exercise, the fresh air, that's that's what uh, sustains us. So we try and do that every day. Um, that's how we get grounded. Um the other thing that is really important for me is getting up early and having that time to reflect and set vision,
0: um, both for my life as an entrepreneur, but also for the company. That's great. Definitely having a, a good routine like that, I can imagine, just kind of sets the tone for the rest of the day by taking a few moments to reflect. So I'm sure that's something that, uh, you know, many other uh, entrepreneurs can learn from as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, we mentioned uh, International Women's Day. It was just uh, just yesterday. And raising capital through traditional channels can often be difficult for most entrepreneurs. Um, studies show that only 2.3% of venture capital funding goes towards female entrepreneurs and women-led businesses. So what's been your experience so far raising capital? And why did you decide to choose equity crowdfunding as well, method for that?
1: Yeah, so um, we've raised almost $4 million in capital. More than half of our investors are women. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are first time investors. Um, And so we've just been so privileged to be part of that journey. Um, A lot of women investors invest in impact driven businesses. Um, And so there's just been such an amazing alignment between our investors and the thesis of our business. Uh, So we've been really privileged to have their support. Um, But we've raised this capital, this $4 million in very small increments. Uh, And so it's just blood, sweat and tears to piece enough funding together to create a health technology company in Canada. Um, I think the opportunity to move to the US uh, has presented itself several times but we really love the idea of keeping the business here. And so we are using some crowdfunding to kind of um, bridge the gap between these smaller rounds of financing and a larger investment. And so we are chasing some bigger investments so we can really scale the organization. Um, And this crowdfunding opportunity allows us to, you know, not slow down while we're doing that.
0: That's great. It's a very powerful uh, number to look at the fact that of your funding to date, really half of that has been coming from women. That's, That's amazing. I think, you know, not only do we need to see more women-led businesses and, and more funding for women-led businesses but it's also important to give you know those investment opportunities and, and wealth creation opportunities um, to women as well so it's so great to see that you've been able to find so many that align with the mission and are really able to come on and support the vision of what it is that Neurovine is doing.
1: Yeah yeah it's it's been great it's just the timing was really good um, we saw a big increase in female investment female investors over the past three or four years and Uh, we were able to to leverage that.
0: That's great. Now for the current round, you're raising 1.5 million. You've got a a million in the round already committed from prominent investors and angel groups. So how do you plan to use these funds to grow the business and what's the ultimate vision for Neurovine?
1: Yeah, so this capital um, allows us to really build out the sales and marketing engine of Neurovine. And we've got those early adopters, those customers that we're working with today. And we'd like to repeat that process um, with a growing number of organizations over the next four quarters. Now, Because our first market is within sports, um, the buying season really happens this spring and summer. And so we're building up our sales and marketing team um, so that we can really hit that market at the right time. the big vision for Neurovine, of course, is to, um, to expand across the United States and then um, establish some really strategic partnerships with distribution uh, channels. And so, as I mentioned, some of those conversations are beginning today. Uh, some of them are within the insurance space, others uh, more on the employer side. And so um, we, we see the next year being really focused on building that direct sales path with our sports teams and fostering those distribution partners. Uh, the big vision for Neuralvine, of course, is for this platform to be used in many areas of brain health to support many different kinds of patients as they get back to life after injury and illness.
0: That's great. Now. Ahead of this episode, we asked a few investors in our community um, to submit any questions that they had for Neurovine. So we had a couple come through, um, one of which is, how do you ensure patient privacy and data security when collecting and analyzing sensitive health information?
1: Yeah, so our CTO um, is brilliant on the privacy side. So the entire platform is HIPAA, PETA compliant. Data is anonymized, both at rest and in transit encrypted and um, so it, you know the data um, the data play is very safe for our patients uh, so much so that we are looking at military partnerships and probably will not have to do very much on the security side to be able to work with military organizations.
0: Wow that definitely seems like a, a great avenue for, for Neurovine as a group and the, the fact that you've had obviously data security and privacy from You know top of mind since the beginning is really important i know for many people any information you know shared with technology it's it's always a concern as to what security is and with with brain health and really any health information that's no different so it's uh nice to see the focus that you guys have had on that so far the other question that we had come through um, relates more to intellectual property and any patents that you may have filed related to the technology so perhaps you could describe some of those a little bit more
1: yeah, uh, so our chief innovation officer has 14 granted patents in this space specifically. Um, he has been with Neurovine since the very beginning and has been building our patent portfolio as we go. The majority of our intellectual property resides on the data analytics, so the back end, um, the analytics that really drive the platform. And so those patents are filed in the United States. Uh, they're pending today, it takes a little while for those actions to come through, but they're, we're starting to get actions um, reverted back to us. Um, we've also got uh, patents, design patents on the EEG headbands. Um, the hardware itself is clinical grade EEG, but it's really comfortable for our patients. Um, ironically, I had a concussion in the middle of building the hardware and I couldn't wear our first generation um, the electrodes were made of metal. It was uncomfortable for me to wear. And so we went back to the drawing board and rebuilt the headband with smart fabric that reads your brain activity. Uh, Everything's lined with memory foam. It's super light. <laughs> and so um, we really invested in the hardware and, and the patents that we were, na- we were able to submit and really speak to that. Um, we also have a huge patent portfolio that we're filing over the next six months, more on the back end. And, analytics and the clinical decision support system. So, uh, IP is top of mind and we've got an individual
0: who who really knows what they're doing there. Innovation is often driven out of necessity. So it's really <laughs> interesting to hear that through your own experience of wearing it, you were able to advance the technology to that next level with what you yourself would like to see out of the technology. Yeah, it's really, yeah. really interesting. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, interesting in retrospect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For sure. Now, with your experience as a founder, as a leader for any founders and future entrepreneurs listening today, what's one piece of advice you'd like to share with them?
1: Um, I can't narrow it down to one. My my first point, okay. make sure that you are incredibly passionate about the idea because it becomes your 24-7. You will live and breathe and dream this thing. Um. And it's not like a six month thing and then it's launched and it's running. Um, it is hard work and it consumes you. Um, and if it's something that you're really passionate about, it's an amazing experience. Uh, the second piece of advice is um, make sure that your founding team is really aligned on vision. Um, the number one reason that startups fail is a misalignment of the founders. And so that would be another really important thing. Um, you got to know your founder co-founders, and they need to be driving towards the same mission.
0: Great advice for sure. as someone who, you know has been there with a co-founder and really, you know, walked that path for a few years. it's um obviously very valuable experience um, for for future founders to keep in mind. So fantastic advice there. And next, i'd I'd like to ask just for, Equity crowdfunding investors, they can support companies in many more ways than just capital. So for investors and brand ambassadors of Neurovine, how can they help the business succeed?
1: Um, Yeah, for sure. So uh, we are uh, certainly looking for partners within the sports world, Um, professional, semi-professional organizations that care about player brain health, players brain health. Um, and need a better way to support that, we'd love to look for some some more partnerships in the sports vertical. Uh, We're also launching a very large randomized control trial in April. Uh, We're looking for patients who recently experienced a concussion and are having trouble uh, getting back to work or school or just life in general. Uh, You'll be able to find information about our clinical trials at neurovine.ai. Um, if you're if you're interested in supporting us by um, joining the program, that would be amazing as well.
0: Fantastic. Now, last question for today. How can those listening invest in Neurovine? Well, so go to our FrontFunder page, of course. <laughs> um, we've got
1: an like, offering page that we've developed with FrontFunder is beautiful. It really explains the value proposition very clearly. Um, I'm happy to jump on a call or, or chat through email to answer any questions that are not answer, answered on the campaign page. Um, but we are looking to close fairly quickly, so um,
0: if you're interested, I encourage you to, to go check that out on the Front Funder website. It's great, and it's a $250 minimum investment, so very accessible for people to join Neurovine in their vision, um, and as Ashley said, there's great information on the campaign page, a, a fantastic video of what it is that the product does, and, um, you know, any questions, there's a Q&A right through the campaign page, and you can also reach out to Ashley directly. So with that, um, really, if you're wanting to learn more about Neurovine, visit frontfunder.com forward slash Neurovine. And Ashley, thank you so much for being here today. It's been great learning more about your journey.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: For anyone new to the podcast, Frontfunder is Canada's leading equity crowdfunding platform, enabling all Canadians to invest in the most exciting startups and growth stage companies, something that was previously only available to the 1%. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter so you can have your questions answered in an upcoming episode. This podcast episode is for informational purposes only and should not constitute financial advice. Investors should conduct their own due diligence on any investment they may be considering on FrontFunder. For details of any offering listed on FrontFunder, refer to the offering document on their campaign page at www.frontfunder.com.